have noticed in your bulletin, I wanted to point this out, that there's a little bookmarker in your bulletin. And so today we are continuing our series, Circle Maker, and we want you to use this, uh, use this bookmarker on the back side to get a pen out and write down what it is you believe God is calling you or leading you to be praying for. And so this can just be a reminder for you through the month of March what you're going to be praying for. And so we want you to use that. And our hope is by the time we come to the end of March that there's going to be some of us who are going to be able to come and, and just share some stories, tell us what it is that God has done in your life during this time of prayer as we continue our series. And so I, I really do. This This was a great book for me to read. And if you don't have the book yet, I, I want to encourage you to get the book. I shared with you all last week, a great place for you to get the book is on your, your Kindle or your e-reader. It's like two ninety nine on there. And so you get that book, you read it. And I really think that it will be, it can be really transformative in, in your prayer life and the way that you pray. And so last week we talked about, you know, whenever we began the, the series Circle Maker, we talked about circling things in prayer. Today we're going to talk about dreaming big. You know, whenever we pray, we want to pray for big things, to pray because we have a big, a very big God. Uh, and, but if we're going to do that, it's going to require commitment and perseverance on our part. Now, I want to share with you a story about perseverance that I thought was interesting. I had read a story a while ago about the Cheyenne Indians, which were a, uh, a the pl- they were, uh, they're on the plains, the Great Plains. And they, at the time, in the 1800s, they had six warrior societies. But probably the most famous one of them all were the dog soldiers. Now, typically, these, these soldiers, they would have a, a sash around their waist and have a leather strap that was attached to a, they, a, a stick that had a sharpened point. Now, most Indians, they would use these so that whenever they would get off their horses, they would stay, put the stake in the ground, they would tie the sash to the horse so that the horse could, you know, could graze without wandering off. But the dog soldiers were different. Uh, they, they would use that stake and that sash for themselves. Whenever they would go into battle, they would take that stake and they would stake it into the ground as a sign of commitment saying, we will not leave this spot until one of two things happens, until we're killed or until we have victory. Now, when I saw that story, I was like, now that is a, I mean, we want to talk about a, guy, a group of guys that were committed. You know, a group of guys who said, we are sold out to the cause now, we're going to persevere. I thought, now, that's a, that's a pretty interesting story. These guys stake their lives into the ground saying, we will not move until we see victory. And I thought, man, that really, to me, that, that fits in to the whole idea of praying. If, if we're going to pray for big things, then one thing that Christians are called to do is to demonstrate our perseverance into basically like putting a stake in the ground and saying, I believe this is what God wants. And I'm not leaving here. I'm not going to stop praying until there's victory. But to, to, but to do that takes perseverance. It takes commitment. And whenever I look at commitment today, I don't, I don't see a whole lot of dog soldiers out there today. You know, and I know this, this is going to be true for me. I mean, the, the first sign of any obstacle... Y'all, it is very easy for me to say, well, I'm pulling up my stake now because obviously this is not going to work out. Because if it comes down to it, I'm not paying the price. And so that's why we're continuing our series, Circle Maker, today, 
to, to begin to look to see how God calls for His people to pray. And whenever I look through Scripture, I see that God has given you, and He's given me, and He's given our church some really incredible promises. But God calls for His people to persevere in the prayers and in the promises that He gives us. And so what happens for a lot of us is I believe a lot of us, we, we, have, we have big dreams about what we believe God can do. But as time passes by, it's very easy for those dreams to begin to fade away. and We just sort of get used to living a monotonous life over and over again. And so I'd venture to say that many of us, we end up missing out on the bigness of our God. Just how big our God is. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see the story of a man named Caleb. Now, this guy is one of my fa- this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It is a great story. It's about a guy who had a dream from God and y'all, it was a big dream. But instead of giving up on the dream as the years passed, he hung on to the dream and said, "I will not leave this spot until I see that dream fulfilled." And so Caleb teaches us some important lessons in our text today about dreaming big. And and I think there's probably most, well probably most of us in here at some point in our lives have had some pretty big dreams. You know, I could probably go around the room and we could say, what are some of the things that you dreamed about doing when you were younger? And I'm sure that there, there are some of you who said, well, when I was younger, I believed that by the time I was 30, you know, that I would, that I was going to own my own business. And some of you might have had dreams where you said, well, there's going to be a day whenever I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to get my bachelor's or I'll, I'll get my master's degree or I'll get my doctorate. And then life just sort of crept in. And then what happens is, you know, those dreams sort of fade away. And then we kind of look back and we think, I, I wonder if I just sort of settled, just sort of settled in life. Well, when I look at the story about Caleb today, this was a man who did not settle in life. This is a guy who had dreams and he had big dreams. And he teaches us some very important lessons about praying for big things. And so if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to look with me in in Joshua chapter 14. Uh, We're going to look in verse number 6. Now last week we were in the book of Joshua, so we'll be in Joshua this week as well. And as you turn there, I want to give just a little bit of background information about what's happening here. Uh, Back in Numbers chapter 13, this is before all this happened right here, God had told Moses... He said, I want you to lead the Hebrew people out of captivity. Now, y'all remember that story? So he lead them out of Egyptian captivity after like 400 years. And so but they, they said, I've got a promised land for you. I've got a land just for you. So they, they walk all the way to the border. And then God said in Numbers 13, I want you, Moses, I want you to send 12 spies over into Israel, into the promised land. Let them look around, come back, and give a report to the people as to the land I'm going to give you. Y'all remember that part? Even if you don't, just say, oh yeah, I remember that. So, okay, so that's what's going on. So they, they go over there, 10 of the 12 spies, that they come back, and they say, here's what we saw. So it's unbelievable. We saw a land that was filled with milk and honey. Now, y'all, I could give you an explanation as to what that means. But doesn't that sound good, though? It's just milk and honey. I mean, today, milk and bread, right? Because it's snowing. So it's a land that was filled with milk and bread. You'll never have to worry about snowstorms because you're going to be covered. I mean, it's a place where our people can prosper. It's a place where our people can live. Plenty of room for all of us. So it's a really good report. And then in Numbers 13, 28, 
Here it comes. They have all these good things to say. And then they say, however, or but, the people that live in the land, they are strong. And the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live by the sea along the Jordan. I mean, so they're just griping now. You know, it's kind of contagious. You know, you start, you start with one bad thing, and man, it just starts rolling off your tongue. Well, you know, the Amorites live there, and all these other people, and they just go on and on. Caleb gets sick of it. And Caleb says he quiets the people in the presence of Moses. He said, we must go up and take possession of the land, because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who'd gone up with him, they responded, we can't go up against the people, because they are stronger than we are. Now, I'm sure that if you, if you know the scripture, you grew up in church, you know the rest of the story, they didn't go into the promised land. Big dreams, and nothing happened. They wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. My mother has this great saying that just cracks me up every time she says it. She says, they were big talkers, but little walkers, right? So they, they talked a big game, but they didn't do jack diddly do, right? They just simply wandered around in the wilderness. God gave a promise, and they just simply let it fade away. But Caleb did not. For 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. For 40 years, though, Caleb kept dreaming big. And he teaches us some lessons about dreaming big. Now, what did he teach us? Well, I mean, it's a few of them. First of all, it begins with this. He persevered in God's promises. Now, guys, if we're going to dream big... We have to persevere. We have to hang on to the promises that God gives. God said, I'm going to give you the promised land. Caleb said, I believe it. And I'm hanging on to it. Yeah, and you can see this in verse number 6. It says, the descendants of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord promised Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. He said, I was 40 years old when Moses, the Lord's servant, sent sent me from Kadesh Barnea to scout the land, and I brought back an honest report. My brothers who went with me caused the people's hearts to melt with fear. And then he says this, But I remained loyal to the Lord my God. On that day, Moses promised me, The land where you set foot will be an inheritance for you and your descendants forever, because you have remained loyal to the Lord my God. Okay, so after the people of Israel had wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. When we get to this text, they, they've entered into the promised land now under Joshua. Last week we talked about, remember, they marched on the city of Jericho seven times. So they've already begun the process of taking over the promised land. So we're about five years into this process. And they, they've conquered a lot of the land, but not all of it yet. God, and I think it's in uh, Numbers, maybe uh, 12, where God begins to tell the people what land is going to be theirs. So they haven't conquered all of it yet. Now, it would have been easy to say, you know, we've got a whole bunch of it. We've been fighting for a number of years. I think we got enough. But not Caleb. Caleb said, God said he's going to give us all of it. And he said, and, and I'm going to get it. God said it's going to be ours. I'm going to lay claim to that promise. And we see that in this chapter, chapter 14, this is when Caleb goes to his old friend Joshua, and he comes up to him, and he reminds him of a promise God gave him 45 years earlier. In verse 6, he said, You know what the Lord God promised Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. So what was the promise? Verse 9, 
He said, on that day, Moses promised me the land where you've set foot will be an inheritance for you and your descendants forever because you have remained loyal to the Lord my God. Whenever he'd scouted out the land the first time, God had said, all the land that you're walking around, he goes, one day it's going to be yours and your family. Forty-five years later, he comes to Joshua and says, uh, that land's mine. We had not taken it yet. I've come to get it. It's 85. I love this. He got the promise at 40. He comes to claim it at 85. Now, now I don't know much about being 85. I know much about being 40 because I've, I'm almost 40. Uh, moving through there. Uh, so that, and I, I, at 40, you're you know, pretty much you know, sort of like in the prime of your life. I think it's getting older now. I'm thinking 50 is more like the prime. So anyway, so you know, you're at the prime of your life. The 85 is sort of like, for most people, that's like the twilight of your life. But Caleb didn't see it that way. Caleb, 85, and he's still looking to the future. He says, God's given promises, and even though I'm 85, he gave me the promise, and I know God keeps his promises. Now, at 85, I would have understand had Caleb said, you know what, man, I'm 85 years old. I mean, this is a dream I've had. Obviously, this is a dream. That it's not going to come true. I mean, this is a dream. It's time for me to move on from this dream. But, but Caleb said, God gave me the dream. And when God gives a dream, when God gives a promise, God always fulfills his promises. And so Caleb had faith. He trusted. You know, Hebrews eleven six tells us, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Yeah, I would guess that a lot of us remember when, when JFK Jr., remember when he flew the plane and his wife and um, her sister were killed in the plane crash. And uh, they were, I believe they were in Massachusetts. They were just going to make a short flight. But when they were flying, it was going to be a nighttime flight. And JFK Jr. was only uh, rated to fly visually. He need, it needed to be daylight. He, could not, he was not rated to fly uh, with instruments. Now, what happened, though, is he thought that he could make it. He thought he could fly by sight, and, and whenever he tried to, he didn't make it. And so there was a crash, and everyone was killed. Now, now what's interesting is, I, and I believe this, I believe there's a lot of times whenever we think, you know, I, but, you know I, seeing is believing. I think before I'm going to believe, I have to see. But, but what I've learned is that a lot of times, what, my, my eyes a lot of times will betray me. My eyes will play tricks on me. You know, what I think and what I feel are not always good gauges for me to go by. And I think a lot of us, we have a temptation to walk according to sight instead of faith. But having our faith rooted in God will keep us from crashing. You know, that's why we're told in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and God will make your paths straight. And that's what Caleb did. Caleb did not live by sight. Had he lived by sight, let me tell you something, he would have never claimed the promises of God. Living by sight, they were defeated. Living by sight, time is just simply marching on and nothing's happening yet. It would have been very easy for him to give up. But he persevered. He hung on to the promise God gave. Now let me ask you a question. Do you persevere in the promises that God gives to you. What kind, of God, what kind of promises has God given me? Are you persevering, for example, in the, in the promise 
of forgiveness? Do you persevere in that? Or, or do you allow guilt to cripple you? To make you feel like that you can never have a true connection with God? Are you persevering in the promise that God has a life in store for his followers, for you beyond this life? Or do you allow fear to creep in and to cause you to be afraid of what lies ahead for you when you die? Are you persevering in the promise that God has given us in Scripture that He will complete a good work in you? Village Church, are we persevering in the promise that God has called us to make a difference and to be an influence in the community in which we're living, to share the message of Jesus with people around us, even whenever the world will scoff at us? See, here's the thing. When God makes promises, He keeps them. And and regardless of what you and I think or what you and I do, God is going to fulfill His will. We just simply have a choice to make. Are we going to join with Him and come along for the ride, or are we going to be spectators and watch it ride right by us? Caleb was determined, I'm going to come along for the ride, and I'm going to see God's promises achieved. So some lessons about dreaming big begins with this, persevere in God's promises. But here's another lesson about dreaming big. After you persevere in His promise, you claim the promise. You know, guys, when God gives us a promise, we claim it. Say, so that's ours. And we're going to go after it. That's what happened with Caleb in verse 10. He said, as you see, the Lord has kept me alive these 45 years as he promised since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel was journeying in the wilderness. He said, here I am today. I'm 85 years old. And I'm still as strong today as I was the day Moses sent me out. My strength for battle and for daily task is now as it was then. Now give me this hill country the Lord promised me on that day because you heard then that the Anakim are there as well as large fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord promised. It is one thing to know something. It is another thing to act on what you know. Right? Knowledge is great, but it doesn't mean anything until you apply it. And I, and I think that we all know that. Now, Now Caleb had knowledge. He had knowledge. What was his knowledge? Well, he had knowledge that God had given him a promise of something. Uh, verse number 9, it says, On that day Moses promised me the land where you've set foot will be an inheritance for you. That's the promise. Because that promise wasn't going to mean anything until he acted on it. Now, here is my, I, you know, this is my favorite verse in this whole story. We have to, we have to I mean, think about this. This guy's 85. He had this promise for 45 years. Nothing's happened yet. And then you get to verse number 12. I love this. He says, now give me this hill country the Lord promised me. Give it to me. I like that. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, he doesn't just sit back and say, that'd be really cool if that happened, but I'm 85. He says, give it to me now. He came to claim the promise of God. Now, I think a lot of us, we, we know or we're familiar with, with some of the promises that God gives. But, but a lot of us, we do not enjoy the promises of God because we don't claim them. You know, we hear about them, we know them, but we, we miss out on them. And my fear is that a lot of us are missing out on a whole lot of promises. The people of Israel, God said, I promise you the promised land. They, 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 they knew it, but they didn't claim it. So what they do? They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. 
Let, let me give you an example of unclaimed promises, unclaimed rewards. This was in the newspaper, the state newspaper, back in, I think back like in November. There's a story in November that in the South Carolina Treasury, they have an account with over half a billion dollars of unclaimed money from South Carolina citizens. Did y'all know that? I'm calling today, right? Five, over $503 million. So how does that happen? Well, there's people that have unclaimed monies in their bank accounts, unclaimed inheritances, stocks, things of that nature. Uh, Curtis Loftus, who's our state treasurer, said that the, the largest check that they've written out of that is for $750,000. So there was a guy uh, who lives in Chesney. His dad had Duke Energy stocks for years. So said, my son never knew it. And then the dad died. Dad has been dead for over 30 years. They, they found out where the son was living in Chesney. They ended up sending him a check for $750,000. Isn't that crazy? Guy had no idea. That I, I, I would love, y'all, if, I would love to be surprised like that, okay? So you think, now how absurd is it that there's over a half a billion dollars in unclaimed monies for citizens of South Carolina? That's crazy. Just our state. Half a billion dollars. You know what's even crazier? That there are unclaimed promises that God has given his people that we've never taken advantage of. That we just let slide right on by. Now why does that happen? I, th- I think there's a couple reasons. One, I think there's ignorance. We don't know. There's a lot of people, we just don't know what the promises of God are. But, but here's another one. In, in verse number 12, Caleb said, the cities that, that belong to us, he said they're fortified, so they're well fortified, and the people of Anak, or the Anakim, live there. Okay, so if there's well fortified cities there, okay, that can be scary for some people. Say, now God's promised me that, but I see obstacles ahead. You know, it's not like they're just going to walk in and all of a sudden everybody's going to go, hey, I hope you enjoy your new home that we built. I mean, there, there is going to be a battle. Now, Caleb, he didn't let that intimidate him. He said, God gave it to us, so if there's going to be a battle, he says it's going to be your problem, not mine, because we're winning. Right? So he, I mean, he was going to claim the promise. Now, the people of Anak were another thing. You know, the people of Anak, uh, they, were, they were really big, scary people. L- I mean, Literally. Whenever the first spies went into Israel, part of the reason why they got scared was because of these people. They, they were big people, like physically big people. It's talked about in Numbers 13, 33. That's what the spies said. They said this. They said, um, we, we even saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. And to ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same to them. Simply put, these people were physically intimidating. Y'all remember the story of David and Goliath? You know, Goliath was the giant. Goliath came from these people. These were big people. And the Israelites said, we saw them, they're bigger than we are. That means that they're bigger than we are, they can beat us up. Let's don't mess with them. Now, here's a lesson for us. Caleb did not allow circumstances. He did not allow obstacles. He did not allow what he saw to keep him from the promise that God gave. Don't don't allow obstacles to keep you from going after what God promises. Why? Because God is bigger than your obstacles. God's bigger than any obstacle you're going to face. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Look, I am Yahweh, the God of all flesh. He says this, Is anything too difficult for me? Now, if you really believe that and you hang on to that, it's going to change the way you handle obstacles in your life. When you see obstacles, you're just basically going to see them as speed bumps. 
Because you know God's bigger than my obstacles. If God's given me a path and He's given me a promise, I'm going to go after it and there's going to be obstacles there, but I'm going to get through it. Because God promised, God always keeps His promise, and He's bigger than any obstacle that I'm going to face in my life. Now, in our church, there are times whenever we run into obstacles. And I'll, I'll, I'll share with you an obstacle we've run into. We have another campus at Westwood High School. We meet over there. Okay, so we meet at Westwood High School. We were told back in November, they said, uh, listen, your contract is up in June, and we're not going to renew your contract. Yeah, that's an obstacle for us, because we don't, you know, we don't have another place. Okay, what's, it was interesting, too, that as we're told this, that's really when the West Campus is... There's new people that are beginning to come, and it's beginning to, to grow, and we're like, well, that's perfect timing. Okay, so that's an obstacle. Now, do we just say, well, we're just going to go ahead and just wrap this sucker up and quit? No, no, not yet. Now, why is that? Because we believe God called us to do this. So here's what we believe. We believe, okay, this is an obstacle, but our God's bigger than our obstacles. And so we are trusting that God is going to provide a bigger and a better place. And I really believe that. And so I, I really believe this. We are going to see that happen. Now, we'll keep you posted. But, but, but we said, you know, we, we're going to believe and have big dreams. Now, if we're going to have big dreams, we have to persevere in God's promises. And then when you see those dreams, you see those promises from God, you, need to, you and I, we need to claim those promises. And God gave it to us, and he, he said, this is ours, we're going to take it. But then there's another lesson we learned. We learn it from Caleb here, and it's this. You, then you live in the promise. You live in the promise. Verse number 13. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as an inheritance. Therefore Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, as an inheritance to this day, because he remained loyal to the Lord, the God of Israel. Hebron's name used to be Kiriath Arba, and Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. But after this, the land had rest from war. Now, I like this. Caleb, he, he gets a promise, so he hangs on to God's promise. And it's a promise God gave him. I'm going to hang on to it. Hangs on to it for 45 years. And then when the time's right, he's I'm going to claim the promise. I mean, I'm coming to announce it. God promises we're going to take it. And then he and his family got together and his men, and they, they fought for Hebron, and they won. And then what we see is they set up shop there, and they're now living out the promise. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you living, are you living in the promises of of God. Because here's what I believe. I believe that God has mountains that he's already given us, and yet we haven't claimed them yet. Now, what kind of mountain has God given me? What kind of promises has God given me? Well, I think there's a, a lot of things. I think there are some of us, and we, we need to know this, God has given you the mountain of forgiveness, but you haven't claimed it yet for yourself. Because you look and you just have this tremendous sense of guilt in your life about what you've done. And you think, I could never, never claim that promise of forgiveness. Guys, God's already given it to you. You know what that means? It's yours. You take it. You claim it. Isaiah 1, 18 says, Come, let us discuss this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they will be like wool. It's yours. Some of us, we've been, we've been given a mountain of freedom. If you follow God, you've been given the mountain of freedom in your living, and yet many of us have never claimed that mountain because we are wrapped up in fear. And we think, I can never live in freedom. And so we, we worry, and, we, and we, we're fearful of dying. 
We're fearful of messing up. We're fearful of making mistakes. And so we live in fear when God says, I've already given you freedom. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You see, that what that's telling us is that whenever we surrender ourselves to the leadership of Jesus, God brings us into his family and we belong to him, which means victory belongs to us. Life belongs to us. And we can live in freedom. Some of us have been given the mountain of acceptance and yet we've never claimed it because we can't get over a fear of being rejected. You know, there's, there's times when I can, I can look back in the way I've lived and some of the decisions I've made and I can look back and sometimes some of those decisions I've made make me wince. Y'all ever have those moments like that? You go, oh, I cannot believe I ever did that. And you just wince at it and you think, gosh, if anybody knew that, I'd be in trouble. If God ever finds that out, man, he'll never accept me. And yet that's not what the Bible says. Bible tells us this, Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means we can live in peace and hope. You know, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and I love this part, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, Village Church... God has mountains that belong to us. The question is, will we claim them? Will we claim them? So what, what are the mountains God's given us? You know, God has given us, and I really believe this, God has given us this area to be an influence, to make a difference to bring change into people's lives. You know, one of the greatest mountains that I believe God has given us is He has given us students. At Blythewood High School, Westwood High School, the middle schools that we have. God is, God is, I really believe this, God has given us those students in order for our church to minister to them like no other group can do. And we see the fruits of it now. But there's more and more coming here. We need to claim that. For some of you, it's time for you to get on board. It's time for you to begin to serve in that area. It could be God's, God's calling you to be a part. You know, we have the C4 ministries at our church, and one of them is one of our C's is campus ministries. Some of you need to start plugging in and claiming the promise that you belong in campus ministries in our church. You can go out, you can go out to our welcome table. We've got brochures out there. Pick it up. Look at the brochures. See some ways that you can be involved in our campus ministries. We, we have a V group ministry. It's part of our care ministries in our C4 I believe that there are mountains that God has given our V group ministries. There are neighborhoods that God has given to our church, and we just simply need to go out and start claiming them so that we can present the message of Jesus to people who live in our community. Y'all, we need host homes for, for our Bible studies in Elgin, in Long Creek, in Ashley Oaks, in, in, in Lake Carolina. Areas all over the place. It could be God is calling you to say, you know what, I need to step up and I need to be a part of that and claim that promise and, and open up my home to be, a, to be a, host, a host home for that. Yes, God has given us mountains. 
question is this, will we, will we claim them? And I believe this, I believe for others, God has given you the mountain of salvation. The mountain of freedom in Christ. And, and, and it's time for you to claim that promise, and to live it, knowing that you belong to God. How do I do that? You tell God. Say, Lord, today I'm, I'm claiming the promise that you give me, that if I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, then, then I will be saved. You say, that sounds too simple. It does. That's what God said. That is a promise. Claim it, and then live it. Y'all, we, we have big, big dreams. Let, let's don't settle. Let's don't settle as a church. Don't, don't settle thinking, what could little old me do? God, it's not you. It is the God who lives in you who can do anything. And he can do mighty works through his people and through his church. Mm-hmm.